That was the song Don't Mess With Texas by the band KFK playing us in today. Everyone, welcome to episode four of Goggins and Friends. As some of you might know, I am a gargantuan professional wrestling fan. I've been watching it since I was three years old, and I'm absolutely in love with it. One of the things that's kept me attached to pro wrestling over the years is the stories of people overcoming the odds to win and the path of blood, sweat, and tears it took to get there. You want to talk about stories that inspire someone believing in themselves and their ability to achieve their dreams despite a life-changing accident? Let me introduce you to wrestler Trevor DeSano. I was reading a news story online about the wrestling promotion AAPW and read that Trevor was a trainee there. I also read that two years ago, he was run over by a truck and had broken vertebrae, collapsed lungs, internal bleeding, fractured ribs, and a shattered pelvis. The doctor who put his pelvis back together actually waited a day because he said he's not going to make it. This was my first time talking with Trevor and getting to hear his journey throughout life as a wrestling fan and through this accident and his recovery was something I'll never forget. Now I'll let us two wrestling fans take it away. Hey, Trevor. How's it going? Hey, I'm good. How are you? That's good. I'm doing well, man. It's great to meet you. Yeah, it's good to meet you too, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to dive in. I don't think I talked about it too much when I first reached out, but I have been a wrestling fan for all of my life. I remember growing up and I was like three or four years old and watching uh, Royal Rumble 1999 with uh, with my mom and dad and watching Mankind and the Rock and the I Quit match and watching Mankind win the WWF title on Monday Night Raw, January 4th, 1999. So I've been a wrestling fan ever since then. So it's awesome to talk to you. Oh, man. That's, yeah, I had no idea you were such a big wrestling fan. Like, I, I had an idea that, like, you were you like you liked wrestling, but I didn't know it went that far back. Like, man, that's crazy. Oh yeah, dude, it's it's awesome. I've uh, I've had I've talked to my friends about it, and I've they of course some have met it with great acceptance. Like, all right, it's cool. You like this thing? It's a little different. It's a little out there. Some people have not been so accepting. Like, hey, man, that's that's pretty weird. I don't know why you like that stuff, but <laughs> it's just it's just I think it's one of the greatest things in the world, and it can do so many different things. So. It's so cool meeting you and knowing that wrestlers tell their stories in different ways throughout their careers. Knowing after the article I read that you've got quite an incredible story, I'm just stoked to be able to sit down and talk to you and learn more about you. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. I'm always happy to share. Like some people are like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I don't, I won't have you talk too much about it. I'm sure it's hard. And I'm like, no, I like talking about it. I like sharing it because, you know, it's like, yeah, it, it was horrible at the time of what happened, but I think it is like a good story to hear because of what I am doing now. It's not like, oh, it happened and, you know, I didn't make it or, you know, it's like I was paralyzed or something, you know, it's like I I'm still able to do what I do. So it's like there's it's not hard for me to talk about it at all. And I, you know, I enjoy sharing it with people, and you know, because I feel like it always helps them feel better. For sure. Absolutely. And that's really what purpose of this podcast that I put together is to just have people tell their stories and have the listeners, whoever they are, wherever they are, find at least one thing from the story that they can, they can pull from and take and apply their lives to either do better, meet their goals on what they want to do, or just be happier in general. So yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, I was listening to a little bit of the um, Infinite Squid podcast, and I actually, I, I was trying to play bass, uh, and I couldn't keep up with the lessons, but actually right before this, I was like, man, 
I was like, I do really miss playing bass. So I, I brought it out and I started trying to play some chords I thought I remembered. <laughs> no way, man. Were you able to were you able to remember them? Um, so the only two that I learned and that I was kind of getting the hang of was Money by Pink Floyd and then Dance Dance by Fall Out Boy. Um, two very <laughs> different songs. Um, <laughs> and Money was always so hard. And it's been like probably three months since... I picked it up and played. I've always been thinking about it, but I've just been so busy with like so much going on and that I just been kind of forgetting about it. But man, it's like, I, I kind of got the feeling for it again. It, it wasn't tuned and it wasn't sounding right, but it, it is still fun to just break it out. I, I've always been a big bass fan. At first it was like guitar and I love the way it sounded. And I love rock and roll. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> oh God, when I was a little kid before wrestling, I wanted to be a break dancer because I just had so much energy as a kid that I would just like throw myself around and call it dancing. And, um, <laughs> and, then, and then I liked, I loved guitar. I just, the electric guitar, just like as a kid, acoustic stuff like bored me, but like the electric guitar I was like, yes, I want to learn that. And then eventually I was like, no, I like the ch more chill, like, bass grooves like i i've always like i'd listen to songs and i would find the like bass and i would just it would just chill me out and i would just sit like sit back and listen to those dude that's fantastic man that's so cool a break dancer wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i gosh i've been told i should have been so many things uh like i was always a troublemaker in class and i always like would try to find loopholes of how not to get in trouble and I would just just like as like a little kid in elementary school my principal was always like you know you really should be a lawyer one day like which is how much you talk back and how much you try to find these little things of why you shouldn't get in trouble <laughs> <laughs> and then my mom was like you should be a vet because I've always really liked animals but I'm like yeah I'm like but then like you know there's negatives about being a vet because then you gotta like put animals down sometimes too and I'm like I'm not what other career aspirations have you had? I know we've got the wrestling thing now, break dancing for a, a short stint there that you were thinking about doing some music stuff. So, right, I mean, right now, currently, uh, the wrestling, I'm, I'm training as a wrestler right now. Unfortunately, I, I get the privilege of doing retail. Um, I worked at NHM for three years, and you know, the people there were great, but I worked in worked in a super busy hectic mall um so eventually that wore me out and I work at a pet smart which is you know a lot chiller and they work with my wrestling schedule which is great but man the only the only thing that like really interests me is like is wrestling and I do a little bit of twitch streaming um I enjoy that you know I would like to be able to do that as well as wrestling at some point because I just it's I used to love YouTube like I used to make YouTube videos I used to edit them I used to put them on and um they didn't get a lot of views but I didn't care because it was just fun to like sit down with me and my friends and record that stuff and then um I just liked the way like like twitch flowed like you're just sitting there live just hanging out with your friends you don't really have to worry about editing or anything like you just kind of let everything happen you know it's it's kind of like it's kind of like podcasting but like you're playing a video game as well for sure what type of what type of games do you and your friends play on twitch so we mostly play Counter-Strike Global Offensive. We yeah. I used to play Among Us a lot, sometimes Overwatch, sometimes Rainbow Six Siege. 
when I can convince my friends and we've already played so many games, I'll, I'll get them on Minecraft. Um, <laughs> so just just a whole bunch of stuff. Usually usually shooters because those are usually the games that like me and my friends always have. And my dog is now barking in the background because he sees either a dog or a squirrel. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just uh, a lot of shooter games. Sometimes party games. Um, when we have enough people, I try to get like Among Us or a Jackbox game going. Nice man, a real good mix. What first got you interested in professional wrestling? So I always was like kind of interested in professional wrestling. Like I'd see it, and my dad watched it here and there. But my brother's friend came over with SmackDown vs. Raw 2007, and like it was the first time me and my brother ever played a wrestling video game and we just instantly got hooked and my favorite wrestler was edge and then we started watching the shows and i would see edge and i was like i was like i love this guy like no matter what he did like good guy bad guy i was i was in and my brother and like his friends would be like would be like oh he's cheating like blah 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 and i'm like oh whatever i'm like this like this guy could do anything and I was just like I was just so into like the character and his entrance and all that and just playing and plus it was fun to play some in the video games and so yeah that game just like got got us like hooked in hard and then a year later we went to the Great American Bash uh the 08 one with the Shawn Michaels Chris Jericho match JBL and Cena in a street fight wow yeah it was it was a great show. It was it was so awesome. Jeez, any getting to see firsthand just any of the any of the Shawn Michaels and Jericho stuff would have been just incredible. That rivalry in two thousand eight was off the charts. Yeah, some people say that's like Jericho's best run, and I could see why because like I I was so I was so into wanting Shawn Michaels to win, and I was so I hated Jericho. Like I loved Jericho, but at the same time I hated him because. I love Shawn Michaels and he was he was attacking Shawn Michaels and just like doing all of his shenanigans and I was like every time like when that match ended I think it ended in like a no contest or they had to stop it because Michaels was just bleeding so hard and I remember just being like so in shock because it's the first time I've ever seen a match end that way and it was the bloodiest match I've ever seen at the time and I was like what I was like whoa what happened <laughs> <laughs> it definitely it grips you with the story. And now I can't remember if this was before or after the part in their rivalry where Jericho went to punch Sean, but Sean ducked and then Jericho popped his wife right in the jaw. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember if that was before or after? So I just saw like a video um, that mentioned it and that I think that came after because because after that, Sean did his fake retirement speech and then Jericho came out. And um, I think, and then I think that's when that happened. So I think it happened after. Okay. Yeah, maybe like a, I think maybe SummerSlam when that happened, or maybe the one that happens in September, one of the two. Yeah, I think you're right though. Yeah, because then after that, it was the ladder match where the end of it, they're both holding on to the title. What a scene that was! Have you watched that match? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that when it first came out, and I just the anxiety I had when like they're going back and forth and I'm like Shawn Michaels is gonna win though right Shawn Michaels is gonna win though and then like when he lost I was just like I was like what I was just so like confused I was like no I was like I was like oh my god because I was like what what does Shawn Michaels do next I was like that's it for him like 
I was like, I th- and I can't remember if that was the end of the feud or not. Like anytime there's like even today, like when there's moments like that, I get so much anxiety. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh my God, like what's gonna happen? Oh man, that's just when it's done, when it's done right, when you just you funnel everything else out and you're just fully in the moment and wondering like on the edge of your seat, like in overtime of like the NBA finals or like the last two minutes of the Super Bowl. Like this is this is it. You're just on the edge of your seat waiting for something to happen. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So it sounds like Shawn Michaels. One of your favorites, Edge. One of your favorites. Who else? Some of your favorites growing up. Um. So very early on, I learned about the independent scene because fun, fun little story. So Brian Myers, uh, didn't live that far from me, and he actually used was a regular at my aunt's salon. Uh, I think his his wife, who was his girlfriend at the time, was like best friends or good friends with my aunt. So he would go to get his haircuts and his like tans and stuff like that. And she would always talk about like, oh, like you guys want to meet Brian Myers, like Kurt Hawkins. Do you want to meet Kurt Hawkins? We're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so me, my little brother, my older brother and my sister, we all went to the salon and got haircuts. And then I can't even remember if I knew I was going to go meet him or if it was a surprise. But I just remember her going like, all right, guys. And now here's. Kurt Hawkins and he was the nicest dude ever so it was the first time I met somebody on that caliber and he just sat there and he talked to us for what felt like hours and he answered all of our questions and it was funny because my brother um, he's always been super tall and I was this was 2010 so I was 10 and my brother was 15 and my brother was already like taller than my dad and like a little taller than Kurt Hawking. So the photo we took with him, Kurt after was like, yeah, I tried to like stand on my tippy toes to just try to be a little bit taller than, (laughs) than him. (laughs) It was just like, it was just, Oh my God. It was so surreal because like, he was just such a down to earth dude. And then my brother goes, I'm trying to get into pro wrestling. Where in New York, like, can I go for that? How do I do that? And he recommended us to the school in Deer Park, New York called New York Wrestling Connection. And that's where, that's where Kurt Hawkins, uh, Zach Ryder, Trent Beretta, Amazing Red, Tony Nese, they've all graduated from there. So we went and checked it out. And then my brother started training there. And I was like, oh my God, I was like, I want to train there. But unfortunately, wrestling school is not cheap. And I was only like 10 at the time. So my dad's like, eh, maybe when you're older. And then um, unfortunately, my brother got hurt uh he had to get like two years ago he had to get double um spine surgery because just the way he he grew his spine kind of was sideways and all his like everything was kind of all out of whack unfortunately they botched the first surgery the the concrete that was holding his spine to get like a plate in his spine slipped so they had to go through his stomach and they nicked a nerve in his hand so and so he was having some little nerve tingles but he now is eventually he's he's going back like he just helped them with ring crew um the other day so and now my little brother's also starting training so after my accent I was like okay I want to go do the stuff I want to do and that's when I found APW and started going there and I'll get into more detail about finding that school uh once we start going into the accent stuff but yeah like so my brother started doing it and then I started helping and I just loved it. Like, and I was like, I, I want to do this. 
That's super cool. And what a great introduction into a professional wrestler that you can meet in person than Kurt Hawkins. I remember, so this must have been after he was an edgehead with Zack Ryder, if it was 2010, right? Yeah, I think he was teaming, he was just about to team up with uh, Lance Archer. Okay. Yeah, I remember getting home from school in, I think it was like 2006 or 2007. And they had on just one of like those channels that's like buried in like the 400s, like all like the local stuff that no one watches. But I remember scrolling through <laughs> channels after school one day. I saw like Deep South Wrestling. What is this? I think that was at the time where that was basically what like Ohio Valley Wrestling used to be. And now what like the Performance Center and stuff is. That was like the WWE developmental. I remember seeing these two guys that stood out amongst everyone else that were the major bros. And it was Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, and they came to be edgeheads. But I remember those being two of my favorite guys whenever I come home and watch like what I thought was independent wrestling back then, but it was just WWE developmental. <laughs> those two guys had such a unique look. Oh man. So it's awesome to hear that you got the chance to meet him, meet him in person, and that he oh. was such a stand-up dude. Oh yeah, like I and then it was cool because I think he even tweeted about us like being like, Yeah, I just got to meet some some awesome other kids today. And you know, a year later we went to WrestleMania twenty seven and we went to the uh all access and we got to see him again and he remembered us and while we're waiting in the line we look up and see him with Trent and he waved to us and I was like, Oh my god, like I was like, That's so surreal because it's like, Oh my god, like he remembers me, like and, uh, like he probably meets so many people and he's on the road so much and I always think about how many people are in a wrestler's dm and you just kind of forget that like just like us are just people and it's so hard to forget to like remember that when you see them like coming in running down trying to interfere during wrestlemania and stuff like that and you're just like oh and then like you, you go and meet them and you're like oh my god surreal is a very good word for it that's just phenomenal that you you and your brothers made such an impression on him that a full year later, after he had been at probably 250, 300 shows since then, and you're at an all-access event, and he's meeting thousands of fans throughout that weekend, and he sees you guys, and he remembers you and calls you out. That's so cool. I know. I, I was... I was so happy. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And that was the first time I got to meet Trent too. It was like, nice meeting him. Um, I have like a little foam um, de- uh, world heavyweight championship that I got a few people to sign. And of course, Trent was the only person to sign it upside down. And I was like, okay, that seems in character. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it was, it was a great time. And people say that's one of the worst manias, but I loved it. Like, and I may be biased because, you know, at the time it was Edge's last match and I got to see that live and that meant a lot to me. Like just being there and being in the crowd, it's like, oh, it's such a, it's such a wild feeling. I believe it. That's on my bucket list for sure to go to a WrestleMania. I'm sure it's unlike anything else. I went to 20, I went to last year's Royal Rumble down in Houston. I made the trip <sighs> to that. So funny, you saw Edge's last match before he retired and then I saw his big return when he came in the rumble and I mean I'm sure the pop for him winning the world heavyweight title at WrestleMania 27 was something just as what his return was in the uh in the dome but it was unreal but I'm sure just the excitement and the nostalgia and just the unique feeling of being at a WrestleMania that's awesome you got to have that it's definitely something I want to do man and I'm god I'm so upset that I didn't 
think like try to go that mania because my at the time I was like closer to the end of my recovery um I still had a cane and everything but I my dad's like where was this show like I'm watching it with him and I'm like oh in Houston he goes why didn't we go and I was like I I was like I didn't know if you wanted to try to Houston <laughs> and I and I was like ah oh, god damn it I was like I could have been there because I knew I didn't know I was going to be there but I knew in my heart because everybody was talking about it and I was like okay like this they wouldn't just talk about it so much if it wasn't gonna happen eventually right and I I even popped one like sitting on the couch I was like I was almost in tears because I was like oh my god like he's back like he and the crowd was so into it and he looked so great like his body was like the best looking it's ever been in his life and just a lot of people were like kind of being like oh yeah just like doing like kind of the old man Logan thing like and I'm like and I was so into it and god like his gear looked awesome and he just looked great like he it looked like he never left yeah for sure came back better than ever which is awesome i know you talked about that was towards the tail end of your recovery uh now i'd love to dive into talking about the accident that you had and what you had to go through throughout that whole process because i mean I, I read the article which led to me reaching out in the first place but of course you can explain it better than an article would but just the highlights <laughs> the highlights that i got from the article were jaw-dropping but i'll hand it over to you yeah i i'm very thankful that i got to do all those articles that you know um abc austin and fox 7 reached out to me and then aapw allowed me to be part of the spectrum story to get to share that because gosh it was it was a wild ride but unfortunately every interview always cuts something out um always leaves something out that i felt like is important so i'm glad that I get to talk about it in a podcast form because I feel like I can hit all the notes. I want to let everybody know exactly everything. So how it started is I was going to the Art Institute of Austin and I just came back from a three-month break going on and off between New York and Austin to try to make my relationship with my girlfriend at the time work out. And so I come back and I'm just kind of struggling throughout school and then it's midterm week and I go and take my first midterm and I'm like okay I feel kind of better about it and then I walk about two blocks because I'm trying I want to go to this place called Brooklyn Pipe Company to go get some uh to go get some pizza and I get to the Salvation Army on La Frontera and this truck is pulling out of the Salvation Army parking lot to try to go on the main road and the report like so the reports were he waved me to go I wave thank you and then he's looking left and he sees an opening and just instantly forgets about me and so he slams on the brake um the person behind him said she saw me say thank you she turned around to look at her kids she turned back around and saw me going under the truck and then so he then took me uh about eight to ten feet is what they reported and once the second tire ran me over that's when he was like oh no like I and remembered about me and stopped and luckily that person who saw it happen was a nurse and she called 911 then she ran out to check on me uh checked my pulse she ran back to her kids and she had a stranger watch them while she then ran back to check on me and she said I had no pulse so she said she instantly started 
giving me CPR. Then a sec- there's a second nurse, but unfortunately she never came out. Um, she stayed anonymous. And I think within three minutes, the first responders were there to pick me up and take me to the hospital. And so basically, and then I even got a Instagram notification um, from one of the EMTs. And uh, he was like, yeah, dude, you looked really bad. He goes, we were going to, we thought your legs were broken. We were going to saw your shoes off. And he go, and he was like, I didn't know if you were going to make it. And I get to the hospital and they find out I have a shattered pelvis. I have third degree liver and lung lacerations. My lungs have been collapsed. My collarbone was dislocated. Two discs in my neck slipped. And I had a ventilator, a catheter, bilateral chest tubes, my L3 and L4 were damaged with it, which if people don't know, those little bits that stick out on the side of your spine, those are, they're always like L1, L2, L3. And when the L3 and L4 got cracked, the, it let out a nerve and gave me nerve damage from my left hip all the way down to my toes. And so when I first got to the hospital, they wanted to operate on me and the doctor who put my pelvis back together said he's not going to make it so why why would I do the surgery and a day went by and I was doing okay I was stable and they went with the surgery and at the time my so I'm the only one here in Austin um, family-wise the closest I had was Louisiana and then after that I have two family members in Florida, but all my family is in New York and Long Island. So at 12 a.m. on that day, there's a knock on the door. My little brother comes to my mom and says, Mom, there's police officers at the door. And and she's like, Johnny, don't. it's too late. Don't mess with me. He goes, no, seriously, there's police officers at the door. And she instantly was like, oh, my God. And so she goes to the door and they're like, are you Trevor DeSanto's mother? And she said she almost fainted. Um, And they were like, we can't talk to you until the father is also here. So they ran upstairs, they got my dad and they said, they said, we don't know much and we can't tell you much, but he's stable. And my mom told me she just kept that in her head. She goes, okay, he's stable. Like he's okay. Like, and she said it was the longest plane ride they ever took and it even got delayed. And so they finally got there actually before that, while they were at the airport, Lieutenant Thomas Sloan's took my phone to FaceTime my parents so I can see them and defer. And I have that picture actually of what I look like. And it's, I just did not look good. I was all purple on the left side of my face. Like, my lips were all puffed up, like I had ventilator shoved into my mouth, and I, I couldn't speak. I could just see them, but I have no memory of it. It was just like little flashes here and there, a bit of like hearing conversations, and then just like eventually the memories came back, like I think about like two days in or so, and my family finally got there, and I don't even remember the day they got there, to be honest, um, and I don't remember much of my cousin being there because she drove from Louisiana to come see me and at first actually she was really mad because she was getting text messages from me that were saying like she's like oh my god are you okay and I was like yeah I'm okay 
they said I was hit by a car, but I'll, they said I'll be okay. And she was like, what? She was like, what? Like, how is he texting? Like, just acting like everything's fine. And so when she got there, she said she was so mad because she thought a nurse was texting for me that she like stormed and ready to be mad. And she sees me like on my phone, like texting. And she's like, <laughs> and she's like, okay, all right. Like, and that was a good sign for my mom because that told her my brain was okay. Mm-hmm. And wow. then, yeah. <laughs> so that, and that's only the start. <laughs> but um, gosh, so my cousin's there for a little bit. She unfortunately can only stay for a day because she was in law school. So she's always, she's super busy all the time. And unfortunately, my older sister was going to Disney World the next day. And I don't know about you, but I don't know how, how much you can enjoy Disney World with your brother on life support. But yeah, I, she didn't want to go. But my parents like, you don't want to see him. You you should just go like go to Disneyland, have a good time. And I'm very, very glad she went. Cause I did not want her to see me at that time. Cause I, they said my chest was like, my stomach was like three times its size. And I just was looking so awful. And I really looked like I wasn't going to make it. And then, so about a week goes by, I still have the ventilator in and I'm always dehydrated. Like I had IVs in, you know, I had IV in my left arm, my neck. Um, and, you know, I like, so I was getting fluid, but I couldn't drink anything because they said if we like gave you any water, you might choke and drown. And so they would give me every hour a little sponge dab of water. And I was like on the whiteboard, can I have more? And they're like, no, we cannot give you more. And so my dad was telling me that I was tricking the nurses like different nurses to get more water and they would be like oh did you have any yet i'd be like no i didn't like on my little whiteboard and they'd be like okay let me go get you some <laughs> i was like i had no memory of that but i was like sounds sounds like me sounds exactly like me so after about a week of having the ventilator and they go to take it out and i don't exactly remember it but i remember it being one of the most unpleasant feelings i've ever felt in my life <laughs> And God, like a week after that, so now two weeks in, you know, I'm like, I'm talking, you know, not much because my lungs are still all messed up. Um, I forgot to mention, I always forget this part, but I had fractured ribs as well. And of course, I didn't feel all of it at the time because they told me with trauma and pain, your body can only handle so much. So it blocks out other stuff. So I never felt the nerve damage until like later on, but yeah, like I, I just couldn't talk. I couldn't eat. I, I didn't want to drink. Like I had no appetite and, but I was talking and I was, you know, as the weeks went on, I was slowly getting back to normal. And they said, you're probably going to be in here till Christmas. And this was in August 13th, 2019. So no way. Yeah, so I was like, I was going to be, so my expectations were I was going to be there for a few months. And they were like, if you're lucky, maybe Thanksgiving. And then I was, and I was like, I was like, holy crap. Like, I was like, okay. So I just kept Thanksgiving in my mind. I was like, okay. I was like, I'll be out by Thanksgiving. Like I told myself, this is where I'll be out. 
And then in the second week, PT comes in and they're like, hey, we're here to get you moving. And I looked at them and I was like, no. And they were like, we can't leave until we try. And I was like, okay, I guess we could try. But at the time they had a sheet under like to move me. I couldn't move myself. So they nurses would come in and they would move me. Like I could move my arms and everything, but like the waist down, I couldn't do anything. And so they helped scoop me up to the bed, which hurt, like sitting up felt awful. They put a gate belt around me and the guy said, okay, hold on to my, hold on to me. And I'm going to pick you up. And he picks me up. Second, my feet touch the ground. I feel my lower half drop. And then I went down and then the guy grabbed me before I could fall down and sat me back up and we tried like a few more times we got a walker and then eventually they were able to get me to move to the recliner next to the uh next to the bed and i was like i'm done for the day i'll stay in the recliner the rest of the day and then they came back and they got me moving five feet and then they got me moving to the end of the icu door like of my room and then they moved me to a new room so I was in the ER, then the ICU, then something like something else that rhymes with that. And then <laughs> and then in week three, I was in the um, the inpatient re, uh, therapy. So I was in a whole different area now. And now I was able to start my physical therapy. And that's when they gave me a walker and they were like, OK, this one's yours. And they were like, you want to try walking? And that day I walked around the whole like rehab area and I went into the lobby to sit down and and meet my parents there and they went to my room they're like where is he oh my god like where is he and then they come to the lobby and I'm like surprise (laughs) so that was that was a nice little surprise for them and they were like my mom was like oh my god like I can't believe he walked all this way and they were trying to get me to stop like they were like you don't have to walk anymore we can go back to I was like no I'm fine I'm okay I could do this like and I just I just wanted to move because the first week was like hell because I couldn't do anything and all I wanted to do like was just rip all those tubes out and just run out the hospital because I was like I am so tired of sitting there and just like all the tubes in me and just not able to move and and it was it was just horrible um and all the medication they were giving me was so strong that I just was phasing in and out of like what felt like existence like I would close my eyes and just be in a whole new world and um I think in like week two is when they took the chest tubes out and oh my gosh like they go and they're like all right grandma can you hold his arm up for for him and they're like all right mom we're gonna we need you to also hold him too and they're like all right we're gonna count out three we're gonna take the left chest tube out and I go okay and they go one two three and they pull out and Am I allowed to curse on, on this podcast? Oh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> so they took it out, and that is a super – that is the most violating feeling I've ever felt in my life. And they pull it out, and I just go, fuck, with, like, all the air escaping out of my lungs. Yeah. And my grandma, who is super – does not curse or anything like that, super sweet, she goes, oh, my. Like, she was, like, so thrown off. And, and they covered up, and my mom was like, oh, no, like, does he need like she thought like I couldn't breathe or anything for a second I like covered it up and everything and I and oh my god it was it was a miserable feeling (laughs) like it was great to have it out but oh god like 
it was the worst feeling ever to have it come out. <laughs> I bet. Now, is that coming through the chest tube? Does it go directly into your chest or do they have to go through like your throat to have the tube in there? So the bilateral chest tubes, how they work is they go on the sides, like right under the armpit and they go into the lungs to inflate the lungs and keep the lungs inflating um, and make sure they're getting all the air. Um, and they suck out any blood and moisture that's not supposed to be in there. They suck that out. So it like felt, so I didn't even want to move with those in because I had those tubes coming out the side of me and they were, they were thick tubes. Like they were not yeah. small. And I forever, I did not, like, I still have like the wound on my left side and I didn't like, I didn't like seeing it because it was literally a part, it was like super pink and it was like a part of me that was inside sticking out and I would see it and it was always so soft and like kind of wet and I was I would cover it up and I didn't want to touch it I didn't want to roll on the side of it I didn't want to do anything like it just yeah. freaked me out and then uh so those came out and then during rehab they came and they were like all right we want to go build your arm strength up and I said okay and they're like grab weight and they're like well, let's give you four pounds and I was like I could do five and I go, they're like, let's bring the four pounds just in case. And they took me outside. And it was the first time I got to be outside in almost a month. And it just sunshine just felt so good. And I went to lift up the five pound weight and I, I couldn't, like, I couldn't get it out. I just physically, there wasn't even that like little tension. It just, my arm just wouldn't move. And then so, and that's when it hit me of how messed up I was. And that's when I was like, okay, this is a lot more serious than I, than I thought it was. Cause I kept hearing, you're going to be a hundred percent. You have age on your side. You're going to go back to a hundred percent. And then lifting up that weight, like really put me back in my place of like, oh no, I am like, I'm really hurt. Like I'm in really bad shape. And then, so I lift up, I, so then we went to the four pounds and I, you know, did some of that. I did some curls and stuff to try to build that up. Yeah, like the rehab and that and also in the rehab it was when I finally could take a shower again. And God, like I went three weeks without a shower. And like my <laughs> first shower, it wasn't easy, but it was just so nice to finally like to finally clean myself up. Cause I had all these little like monitors on my chest and all the tubes coming out, like and all the stuff that couldn't get wet. And like so it just it felt it felt so great. And Another thing that felt really great was not having a catheter anymore because like for everybody listening, it, it is so awful. <laughs> like it's so bad. Like the way I describe it to people, it's like a little Capri Sun straw with like a little balloon on the end, like exactly that size and everything. It does not feel good going in and it does not feel good coming out. And I had it in about four times because I just was so messed up down there that I just couldn't, I couldn't pee. Like I, I, I just couldn't, like I could get little trickles after like two weeks, but not enough to where I could keep it out. And, oh God, I was like, can you like knock me out or something for it? like, no, we just got to do it. And it, it was, and it might've been worse because of how damaged I was down there, but god the day they finally were like yeah that's good you don't need it was so was so great was, <laughs> was so amazing oh my god and i never like i it was the first time ever where i was 
missed the feeling of being able to pee. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh God, all these little things you like don't even think about that like like really made, made me just appreciate being able to do it, like to relearn how to walk, to try to get to a point where I could pee again, to being able to even lift five pounds. Like I was like, I, I felt very humbled you know, and I felt very, I felt very proud of myself of everything I was doing. And it, it really, it really helped just make me enjoy life and just kind of enjoy all these little moments. And I don't think there was a day that went by in the hospital where I wasn't not happy. Like I was just, you know, I was just happy all the time. Like, yeah, like I went through a lot of pain and it, it hurt so bad. Like that, as soon as the chest tubes came out, that's when the nerve damage came in. And there's just nothing they could do like they would give me gabapentin and trazodone and all this stuff like I was on like 16 different medications and none of it worked and there's just some days where I just had to let it let it be and just fight through the pain and just wait for it to end that's incredible what just a ridiculous amount of tubes and wires and monitors going in coming out going back in coming back out and like you said all the little things that are just normal things that some people might even not look forward to in the day. I know after I work out, I'm like, you know what? A shower is going to feel good, but it's just going to be <laughs> a hassle. But you haven't gone, you haven't had it in three or four weeks. And so it feels like this just huge, overwhelming experience. You said you were very humbled and humbling sounds like the perfect way to describe your hospital experience up to that point right after the accident. So after you're going through PT, able to pick up the five pound dumbbell, start doing some weightlifting there. Awesome too, about you were able to just pick up walking like that, walk around the first day in there, go through PT, walk around the entire room and pop out in the lobby, see your parents out there, which is phenomenal. So after you started doing PT and picking up the five pound weight, was it pretty much smooth sailing for the rest of your time at the hospital? I, I'd say so, like not a lot. There was obviously like I that's when they started giving me Lovinox shots. They took me off the baby, um, baby aspirin. And those those I never looked forward to because I was always a skinny kid, but and before the accident I was 135. And then they put me on a scale and I was like a solid 100. Wow. Yeah, that and I didn't even realize and like it was bad like so I had no fat to absorb the pain of the Lovinox shot so I would just instantly bruise and it just it just hurt and they had to give it to me like two times a day and then eventually they dropped down to one and they're like you can refuse it but it's we don't want you to get blood clots and I was like okay I'll take it and um I even had to get the right chest tube put back in because the top part of my right lung wasn't inflating and they were like, you can go without it and it might be better or you could just do the surgery. And I was like, I'll do the stupid surgery. And that was another just very unpleasant feeling because I would they numbed me around the area, but I could still feel them poking around and I could feel them inside my body, like poking parts of my lungs. And I would my lung would just like squeeze in and just like it was just so uncomfortable. And after that, like I would breathe in and it would 
the tube would poke my lung because I guess they put in a little too deep and I was like yeah it hurts it hurts it's like no it shouldn't hurt I was like no it it hurts it's uncomfortable like every time I breathe I I have to immediately breathe out and um, so they gave me their strongest stuff and I was I was smooth sailing after that I was laying (laughs) in the bed while they were strolling me back to my room and I was like you know what I feel pretty good and they lay me back in my bed and I'm like, okay. And I, my parents are like, oh, he's asleep. Like he's sleeping. And I'm like, nah, I'm vibing. I'm cruising right now. And um, <laughs> <laughs> they go and they take, they turn the machine on to suck the blood and the water out. And I instantly snapped out of that. And I was like, and I was just writhing in pain. And I was like, turn it. I was like, stop, stop. Cause it, it was just so uncomfortable and it hurt so bad. And my mom was like, Oh my god, and the nurse turned off. She goes, We have to, we have to get the water. I was like, it, it hurts. Like, I don't like it. It's so uncomfortable. And eventually she did it like one or two times. And she's like, Yeah, I, I can't do this. So I so then she turned it off. And I got to I got to like just luckily all the water naturally went out and there wasn't too much in there to worry about. So that that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't fun, but it was, you know, I had to do it and it was only in there for about a week. And also they kept x-raying my, sorry, you might hear my dog bark in a second. Cause every time I'm talking to somebody, he's like, he's like, Oh, can I like, can I butt into the conversation? <laughs> so he's actually sitting right behind me on my bed. So he's got the perfect leverage to come right up onto my chair and bark into the mic. But, um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> plus it's like pouring rain now. So he's like, uh Oh, but, um, yeah. So I also with my dog, I only I got him at five weeks and I only had him for like a little under two weeks before my accident and then I was gone for three weeks and eventually I was like you know he's an ESA am I allowed to bring him in can he come in and they're like yeah sure like one of those like yeah sure just don't let any of like the main people see him and so he came in like he came in and he was like it sucked I missed that whole little puppy stage like all of his baby fur was gone he was like double his size now and like I actually have a great photo of me sitting in my wheelchair, like holding him. Uh, and it was like, you know, on the first day I got to meet him. Um, and all these photos should be on my Instagram. I have some on my wrestling Instagram and I have some on my personal Instagram too, okay. but it was just so great to see him again. And he was, he was crazy. Cause he's a German shepherd Pyrenees. So this boy has a lot of energy and oh, yeah. he was so happy to see me again. So, but luckily I was, I beat the odds. I wasn't in there for four to three months. I was in there for a little under four weeks. And September 4th is when I got to be discharged and they where I was able to be sent home. And it was, it was just like, it was weird. I was like, I, get, I was like, I get to go home and going, getting to go back to my apartment was such a weird feeling. And I, my dog like as soon as I stepped through the door and went into my room my dog was all over me like he was like crying and whimpering and I had a I had a walker so I'm like trying not to like get knocked down but I still got to the ground and like he's all over me and then I realized I couldn't get myself back up so I was like oh, no. I'd like hobble over to the bed and like pull myself back up but it was it was really great to finally be home and to just get to start being normal again and and then even like and then that even reminds me i wasn't allowed to to get out of the bed on my own i had to call a nurse because in case i fell but 
obviously I didn't listen to that. <laughs> and I would, <laughs> I would hobble, I would hold on to the wall or the bed or the shower, or like a sink to hobble over the pee. Cause I was like, I don't need them to pee. I was like, it's like 10 feet away. I was like, I can make that. And I only ever got caught once. <laughs> and it was, it was like when you get in trouble in elementary school and they're like, okay they're like please don't do that again and I was like okay I won't <laughs> and I felt like a little kid but like there would be times I would drop my chocolate bar because I had one friend come like almost every day and be like what do you want and I was like orange juice and chocolate and I dropped it on the floor and I was like oh no I was like what do I do and it felt like mission impossible but I like I eventually was able to like get low enough to where I could grab it pick it up and get back onto the bed without anyone finding out <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I following rules following rules and directions I'm not entirely great at <laughs> but I was fine I never fell <laughs> and thankfully during my whole recovery I never fell there you go desperate times call for desperate measures when there's a chocolate bar there's a chocolate bar at stake. You do anything you can to get the other half of that chocolate bar up off the ground. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I even tried to call for the nurse, but my button was broken. So I was like, "All right, now it's it's all up to me," and <laughs> and I was able, I got it. So that was good. And and gosh, like I had a lot of support from my coworkers and like my friends and family and my family's friends. I feel like that really helped with my recovery. And I, my, my doctor, after I was out of the hospital, um, she said to me, she goes, the best form of healing is going to be happiness. And I definitely, I definitely feel that. And I just kept that in my mind because the whole time something fun was happening, the whole time I was having fun or just generally happy. I didn't feel any pain. I didn't feel like I couldn't do anything. Like I, I didn't feel like I was, like I was either in a wheelchair or walker or those like little automatic shopping carts but I never felt like I couldn't do anything you know eventually I go back to New York because you know my parents had to go back to work so I went with them and you know I did PT there and the lady was very surprised with like how much I could do like she was evaluating me and you know like she it was the first time like I got to kind of walk without anything and she's like I just want to see how you walk and then she gave me a cane she goes I want to see how you walk with that and that's when I finally got to transition over to a cane in October and then uh all these workouts I was doing she was like she goes I have to keep giving you harder workouts because you just keep surpassing like all these stuff like she goes you're like a million miles ahead of where I think you are and I remember she goes, I only want you to lift 10 pounds. And I go, well, I always pick up my dog. And she goes, how heavy is your dog? I'm like, about like 34 pounds, 35 pounds. And she was like, <laughs> oh, she goes, okay. Well, I guess that's okay. If you can lift that, sure. So I recovered pretty fast. And, um, but I had a walker. I mean, I had a cane all the way until maybe about January of that year. Oh, well now January, 2020. And then in February, no, not February, in March is when I got to go home and live by myself again. And so me and my dog hopped on an airplane and I didn't need the cane at the time. I was done with it. Um, so I got home, put the cane in my closet, never touched it again. You know, I just kind of sat home collecting like medical leave, paychecks and stuff like that. And I started doing uh, DDP yoga and... 
after a week of doing that, I felt so much looser and I felt so like walking was so much easier. And I really attribute a lot of where I am now to that. And unfortunately, in November that year, when I started like work back up again, I couldn't really do that. I couldn't really keep doing yoga every day like I did. But I never felt like there was anything in my job I couldn't do. And I felt like perfectly fine doing everything. And, you know, I felt sore from standing for like nine hours, but it didn't feel like a sore, like an accident from my accident. It felt like just a hard day's work. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. I've heard, and you've heard them too, so many retired wrestlers and even current wrestlers using DDP yoga. I've never used it myself, but everything I've heard about it has been just glowing reviews, which is awesome to see and awesome to have you experience it firsthand and see the difference it made. I've always been meaning to try to do it. Um, and seeing the videos of like Scott Hall and Jake the Snake really helped inspire me. And there was a, another guy who was a parachute um, trooper. And from all the years of just landing, he messed up his knees and couldn't walk. And he had two canes. And now he can run and do all these things. And I was like, okay, this is going to, this is going to be what I need. And I still did physical therapy and OT and I got some dry needling, which, which is great. Cause what it is like, it's like acupuncture, but it's like one needle goes into like a tight muscle. Sometimes they put e-stem on and it like resets the muscle. So it makes it loose. And it was the first, like after that I got, I was able to run again and I was running with my dog and yeah. And now I, I don't really do physical therapy anymore. Cause I don't feel like, I need it and then so eventually just like being a few months into work I was like I, I wasn't going to school I didn't go back yet I, I tried in March and just the online program unfortunately when my life got back together the whole world fell apart yeah um <laughs> and the online school uh just wasn't for me and you know because I'm not a person who could sit there and read a textbook and teach myself um my brain it just moves too fast and thinks too much that it's just I couldn't I couldn't physically do it and I flunked out of it sadly but I was like it's okay because I'll, I'll bounce back and I'll go to another school and you know I'll get back to it and then I was like you know what so I'm 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 friends with Max Mahan from Inspire Pro Wrestling um the way I met him is his um his ex uh was my administration advisor for my school and when she found out I liked wrestling, she told me about his company. And then me and my father got to go see one of their shows. And it was amazing. It felt like I was at an NXT takeover. Like that's how, that's how good it was. And that like the crowd was into it and I was front row and I, I was, just, it was a little indie show, but it just, it was incredible. And I just kept, I just kept talking to him after that on Facebook and stuff. And I said, Hey man, do you know any wrestling schools close by? Cause I, I want to finally, I want to do this. I want to finally get into it. And he goes, he goes, yeah, like there's this one school um, in, in Austin actually called America's Academy of pro wrestling. You should check them out. And I looked and I was like, Oh, they're only 17 minutes from me. I was like, awesome. I was like, let me go do that. And, and then I sent in my application. I told them like why I want to do wrestling and all this stuff. And next day they were like, hey we want you to come by we want to see you like and so I went there I got to meet I got to meet um Ray Campos but everybody there just calls him pop so I got to meet pops and 
he was he was a super nice guy he showed me like we we have two rings now we're now we're gonna have three but we have two rings for beginners and intermediates and he showed me those and he showed me he's like you're gonna be in the beginner this is where you'll be and I started April 21st and I've been loving it like it's it's been so much fun it's there's never it's what I always tell people is how hard you think professional wrestling is times that by 10 like it is it is hard you need cardio like crazy and you need a lot of upper body strength and it is it's just but it's fun like everybody's been so nice and helpful and I didn't tell pops about the accent I just told him about the uh, I was like I have two nine inch uh screws in my pelvis and I have a metal plate and I was like and I have asthma and he goes okay he goes we'll work around that (laughs) and so when the spectrum opportunity came up they're like yeah spectrum wants to know if anybody has like a you know like a story of how wrestling has helped them and i went oh i got a story and (laughs) so pops's daughter michaela was like all right what's your story and i was like well i was ran over um and i had this and that happen and she goes okay she goes all right i i know which story i'm gonna go with now and (laughs) pops pops was like okay like he was he was like yeah okay sure like you can be on it and it was it was such a great opportunity and it was like i'm so thankful that they let me share my story because i was only like a month in at the time and i was you know it's like you never know when somebody's gonna drop out and when somebody's gonna leave because it is really hard and it you know it's like i've hit like i've hit the mat and I've been slammed on that mat and it's, it's not, it's not a comfortable feeling. And with my pelvis and like my lower back pain, I get from it. I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, I think I'll be okay. I was like, I know it's going to hurt, but, but I was like, I think I'll be okay. And so far it's been working. And now I'm, I'm a referee. Uh, I get to go and ref some of the matches. I only ever, I've been getting like more and more matches here and there. Um, Cause I've only been doing, I've done like maybe five or six now and it's a blast like the first time oh god the first time i was super nervous and i had all my ref gear on i was ready to go out into the ring and like i was just like i was like oh jesus oh god like i thought i was gonna like pass down my friends like you're gonna be okay they're like like they don't ever really notice the ref blah 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 you're gonna be okay and i walk out i get into the ring i'm standing there and the first thing somebody goes is referees don't wear elbow pads and i'm like oh god i'm like no (laughs) and then i was just sitting there i was like yes they do it's like leave me alone i was like i got bad elbows okay and i'm just sitting there like ignoring the crowd and then i do a count i do a one count but then i go to pick myself up and the way i did it made it look like i counted again so they're like that's a fast count ref and then so i just got heckled the whole match and they were like faster ref count faster when my counts are getting better like yeah yeah and then when i was like there the two guys are laying on the ground i was counting and they were like yelling at me it'd be louder and they were just taking over and heckling me and i was like oh god i was like what is going on and but i had fun you could tell i was new and i was just anxious and stuff and there's actually another person who saw my story in the crowd who's always at the show her name is jj and she was actually i could hear her in the crowd like trying to like back me up and be like oh he's he's new like blah, 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 and stuff like that and you know after the show 
I can't remember if it was my second ref match or if it was my first. Her and her boyfriend at the time came up to me and just told me they saw my Spectrum story and they're like, it was just so inspirational and they they couldn't believe what I went through because it's like you look at me and you you can't tell that like that's happened to me like when I tell people they're like oh my god like they're like really like nobody a lot of people in my school didn't know and so when that spectrum story came out they a lot of people came up to me and they're like dude you got ran over and I was like yeah I was like surprised uh (laughs) I was like I was like isn't that a nice little surprise like but um you know, I, I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want people, like, if I couldn't do something, I didn't want people to, like, give me, ex- like, reason, like, excuses. And, I, you know, I didn't want to have, like, those handicaps. And I didn't want people to be like, okay, like, you don't, you don't have to do this. Or if you're not doing this as good, that's okay because you have this and that going on. And obviously, sometimes there's some points where it's like, I have to be like, look, I can't do this because of my body. So it's like, I can't squat that well because of the nerve like the nerve pain in the left hip and sometimes it gets spiked and so when we're doing stuff where we have to do like duck walks across the parking lot or we have to like do like jumping like like we have to jump forward while squatting or just like holding a squat like and I can't hold the same form as everybody like that's when you know that's when those get hard but luckily my teachers have noticed and they're like oh they're like they'll be like oh you're not squatting enough and they're like oh wait no I get it don't worry and it's like we had to do these walks where you're like kind of twisting like your legs and it I was doing it really slow because it kept it kept like spiking but I you know I try to get through everything and I don't really ever feel it when I'm in the ring the only things I feel are the stuff I mess up when I when I do something wrong and like I'm like okay I'm like it's never from my accents that I feel those pains which is great and it's yeah so it's just it's been a wild ride like it's getting to talk to some wrestlers and just like getting friendly with people and just now officially being in the business like I I almost went to San Antonio to be a referee but the show TWA's uh building flooded so on my way there with Leroy Brown they were like yeah our show's canceled and we're like okay so I had I went to wrestling class and didn't have my running shoes. I didn't have a t-shirt to work out in. I was like, oh Jesus! But uh, you know that's why you always gotta bring your gear and stuff because you never know what's gonna happen. And it's just like, oh, it's just a crazy road. And it's like I, I, I'm nobody in the business, but it's just everything I've been experiencing so far is just, it's it's surreal. It's so crazy. I'm like, oh my god, like. I'm in, I'm in, like here now, like I'm doing what I've been wanting to do forever. Oh man, that's so just incredible to hear. And that's awesome. I know you got to run for, uh, cause you got training tonight, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know when I'm getting picked up. <laughs> okay. I get my friend, my friend who just debuted on our show, Ziggy Winston. He's been my ride. <laughs> okay. Got it. Well, I just got one last question, uh, if you got time for it. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Cool. Well, it was just, you've been on, like you said, a wild ride. So I think everyone would love to know, you've gone through life, especially at the tail end recent years, with it seems like all the odds stacked against you with the accident and all the recovery, and now making the decision to follow your dream and jump into this incredibly physical sport. 
coming into it with some pre-existing injuries. Whether we have some aspiring pro wrestlers out there listening or not, uh, or people that are facing the odds elsewhere in life, I think everyone would love to hear from your perspective, what kept you going and what tips and recommendations do you have for people that are wanting to get to the next level in their life, but facing some struggles along the way? Oh, geez. Um, what I just, what just kept me going is just going through that experience and having so many positive reinforcements and just being told like I was going to be okay just help keep me going and working out and starting to feel my body getting better. So it's, it's never too late to do anything. And no matter what you go through, it's never over, you know? So like a lot of people look at me and have been like, have not wanted me to do this. Like my grandma rather me just stay as a referee instead of a wrestler, but my dream is a wrestler. And Honestly, I didn't have a plan when I started wrestling. I just looked up a school. I just looked up AAPW one day and just was like, all right, fuck it. Let's do it. And it, everything I do, it's just, I, I feel like you got to just do it. Because one day, you you know you're going to start it one day. So you might as well just start it today. And the only thing that's ever holding you back is you. You know, whatever you want to do. Like, if you want to stream, all you got to do is just get a free software and and a, and a decent sounding mic and you're good to go if you want to wrestle you got to go find a school you know if you want to be an artist you start making art you throw it out there and you start building yourself up everything is just all requiring on you and positivity and staying happy really really does make a difference it really is some of the best medicine out there and it's you know you just got to have the heart and the passion to do it what helps is like when you see your dream start coming true, that helps with the passion and that helps. And so it's just, you got to get out there. You got to go do it. You can't just sit at home and be upset that something happened. Like I, I'm actually very thankful this accident happened because I feel like it changed me for the better and it made me a better person and made me more positive about things and made it easier to let things go. I was never mad at the driver. I knew it was an accident. So I have no ill will towards him. A lot of people say stuff about him and be like, why didn't you go after him? Like, why didn't you like, why didn't you sue him and go after everything he has and all this stuff? And I was like, I just happy to be alive, man. I just can't, don't want to worry about those small things and don't want to, don't want to take people down on my way up. So you just gotta, just gotta be positive, dude. You just gotta think happy. You just gotta go get it, you know, cause it's out there for you. Yeah. What an incredible perspective on it. Something that, feel like not a lot of people have, but that a lot of people aspire to have. But that truck driver example is the perfect example of what having that type of mindset and outlook on life and perspective, what that's all about. I love your saying, don't want to take anyone down as you're on your way up. And from what we talked about here over the last hour, it definitely seems like things are working in your favor and you're putting in the time, effort, and energy to make your climb to the top as effective as it possibly can be. So Trevor, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak on the podcast here. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of different things out of it. And me personally, it's just great meeting someone, someone else in the wrestling business <laughs> and reading about your story and getting to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, it's really been incredible. So thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's, it's an honor, man. I, gosh, after that spectrum story came out and it, it's just so surreal that like, 
you know, people would want to come up and talk to me or want me on their podcast or something. Cause I feel like in the wrestling business, I'm a nobody at the moment, but you know, this was fun, man. I had a good time. I always, like I said, in the beginning, I love sharing the story. I love talking about it. Cause you know, it's like, if like, and I've had wrestlers come up and be like, man, like now I got it. Like now I got an outside because if you're here doing this, like, and I'm over here being lazy it's like what the like what the fuck am i doing like how like you know it's like how yeah it's like i post i made a post on my instagram it's like how are you gonna let somebody like me beat like beat you and get ahead of you like when i've had my whole life taken away from me and have all, all the odds stacked against me and honestly i probably shouldn't even be here and it's all thanks to who her to aspen green for giving me cpr and you know like keeping me alive until the police and first responders came to to get me up and going again so you know it's just like look at me like i've i've i know what my lowest point is and i bounce back from it so you know it's nothing's impossible yep love it you say you're nobody in the wrestling business right now but i'm sure with your work i think you're going to be a somebody and based on what you've said about people have reached out to you and said hey man read your story you're right if you can do it why can't i start doing something new that doesn't sound like a nobody to me. That sounds like a pretty big somebody. So best of luck with everything moving forward for wrestling, Twitch streaming, anything else that you do, I know that you're going to do well. So thanks again, Trevor. It's a real pleasure. I'll, uh, I'll let you run the training. Say hi to your dog as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. He's been behind me the whole time. Just <laughs> trying to get my attention. He's got a, I'm actually playing tug of war with him because trying to keep him quiet. <laughs> he, he's such a, he's such a brat. Uh, yeah, man. And, you know, if anybody's interested, if you don't mind me doing a quick little cheap plug for Absolutely. some of my stuff, you can find me on Instagram at Trevor Blue Wrestling. Uh, it's all one word, no underscores. I try to make it as simple as possible, but Trevor Blue's taken. Um, Twitch, Starcat64, you know, if y'all are into gaming. Um, my YouTube's the same as that. Uh, I have an Instagram for that as well. It's the Starcat64. I don't really have a schedule for that. It's just kind of whenever I'm available and up to it and eventually I'll have a Twitter for my Instagram and it'll probably be Trevor blue wrestling, but yeah, you know, just follow the, uh, follow the Instagram see all the updates there. I try to be as active on there as possible, but yeah, but yeah, man, thank you so much for allowing me to come on here and just, you know, just get to talk about this. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Happy to have you. Many wrestling matches are won when one wrestler pins their opponent's shoulders to the mat for the count of three. I was so happy to read that in this battle with his injuries, Trevor was able to kick out at two and come out on the other side doing what he loves to do. Even aside from his recovery from his injuries and his love of professional wrestling, it was so great to hear how positive Trevor is and his perspective on life of not wanting to bring anyone down as he climbs his way up. Trevor's story was so inspiring for me to talk with him about, and I hope it was inspiring for you to listen to. In the description, I've listed his Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch information. And if you're in the Austin, Texas area, highly recommend checking out AAPW to watch Trevor and their other talent do their thing. Thank you again to Trevor for taking the time to share his journey. Thank you all for taking the time to listen. Here is Nora by the band KFK. I'll see you on the next one.
Spencer, fly to LA, but no. Re-